Hi, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. This is a marketing podcast like you haven't heard before. It's about real connections and honest conversations. Why am I here? To remind you that you can fly. If you're brave enough to listen to that calling inside you, I'm here to serve you and show you that marketing can and should be honest, that the truth sells and authenticity wins. So how can businesses and brands build a real and authentic audience? The Authentic Audience Podcast gives you insight into growing your business and marketing strategies to gain real followers and loyal customers. Each week, I create a space of radical honesty for thought leaders and entrepreneurs who have built successful businesses to share their insights on business, marketing, relationships, life, and spirituality. Each episode is sure to remind you the power of storytelling and truth selling. Get ready to get real, get raw, get honest, and keep growing. Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. My name is Krista Ritma, and I am your host. I had meant to record this episode before my baby girl was born a couple of weeks ago, and she had other plans, which I had a deep intuition was going to happen. And sure enough, it did. So the context and content of this episode has shifted. And I'm going to talk a lot about becoming a mom and my first month with my baby girl, lessons learned, self-advocacy, intuition, breastfeeding, and all the things that are still fresh in my mind before I take a break from the podcast. I will be taking a break. Um, A lot of people have been asking me about my work-life balance since having my baby girl, and I am working Mondays with my team. That's what's happening, and I have an incredible support system here with my mother and Clay's mother, and we have an abundance of help and support, which I am so grateful for. It really does take a village. And so I have time on Mondays to work with my team, keep things moving, keep things flowing. And I'll be taking the rest of October off. It's September now. And my baby girl was born on August 26th, uh, just shy of four weeks early. So I am so excited to jump in and share so many things with you today. But before I do, I want to thank our sponsor, Audenel Apothecary. Audenel is an incredible small business with the best self-care essentials and bundles from their seasonal bundles to their newest package, which is called the Lightbox. The Lightbox subscription includes a monthly candle. So you get one large 16 ounce soy candle, self-care recommendation cards, monthly affirmation, a membership to their exclusive subscriber group on Facebook, as well as a self-care workshop hosted by life coach Kelsey Letko, who happens to be my sister. I love how in um, <laughs> incestual this industry really is. Um, Kelsey has become good friends with the founder of Audenel, Tiffany, and now she is working with Audenel to bring self-love, self-care, and self-growth support to the new Lightbox community. So if you're interested in supporting Audenel as a small business and diving into their self-care essentials, especially for the fall season, you can use my code Krista10, K-R-I-S-T-A-1-0 for 10% off at audenel.com, A-U-D-A-N-D-E-L.com. Ah. Okay, so today what we're talking about, just for those who want to know where we're going, I have a plan. We will be talking birth, self-advocacy, listening to my intuition, identity shifts, breastfeeding, co-sleeping, and finding myself in the new role of mother. I'm also going to share a little bit about what's coming for authentic audience this fall and winter because we have some really amazing things happening with the biz. So I'm going to just jump right in. I'm feeling really excited to talk to you today. I have been thinking and meditating and journaling on what I want to say about the biggest experience of my life. It is not something I have taken lightly. I also really value the mother's journey. It is such a sacred one. If you are on the roll, on the path of mother, 
this is something you have been for 10 years, it's something you're considering, I really want to encourage you to listen, but not necessarily take every single thing I say as your own story or as something that you need to implement. I have learned so much and I'm so grateful for my mentors, for my doula, for the mothers in my life that have supported me on my journey, which I will talk more about towards the end. This like motherhood mycelium is what I'm calling this amazing network of moms that just sprout out of the ground when you start this journey. And it's just nothing but love and support. And I'm just so grateful for the mamas that have supported me. And I now want to offer you that same support, whether you are on this journey now or plan to be in the future. I've learned a lot. (laughs) Yes, I have. So I want to start with the last couple weeks of my pregnancy. As you know, if you've listened to the podcast or followed me on social media, I had a pretty tough pregnancy. I was sick for 99% of the time. I was throwing up for six months every single day. I gained a ton of weight. I had sciatica. I had heartburn. I had restless leg. I mean, you name it. If it's a pregnancy symptom, I had it in a very extreme way. So I, these last few weeks of pregnancy was miserable. And so many people were writing me saying, I hope you're enjoying these last few weeks. I hope you're feeling this bliss. And I was not. I was so ready for this baby to come. I knew she was so ready to come. I have felt such a connection to this child, this amazing daughter of mine, Um, for a while now. And I knew she was ready and I was ready to meet her. And that starts our journey with my intuition. So from the get-go, my due date was September 19th and I knew it wasn't. And I fought as I do, fought, advocated in my righteous, um, direct way with every nurse, every doctor, doula, and midwife that would listen to me And no one humored me. Let me repeat, no one humored me. And I knew in my heart that this baby was two weeks farther along than anyone was saying. And if you are a doctor, I totally understand. I've been explained to multiple times why the due date is the way it is. But I knew in my heart, and like deep in my bones, that I was farther along. Every single appointment or every single session I had with a doctor or ultrasound, she was quote unquote running two weeks ahead. She's two weeks big. You've got a big baby, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm actually two weeks ahead. So it was this whole thing. And so even though I ended up going into labor at 36 weeks, in my heart, I knew that she was 38 weeks along. So I just want to preface that. So knowing that I was farther ahead than I thought that I was, I was very clear with wanting to give birth at this birthing center here in Santa Cruz. We have jumped through hoops to switch insurance to be able to have access to this baby-friendly breastfeeding advocacy, like all of the things, birthing center, like creme de la creme of birthing hospitals. And this is where I envisioned myself giving birth. However, my doula and OB let me know that unless I made it to 36 weeks and one day, I would have to give birth at the hospital here in Santa Cruz, which is a lovely hospital. It's just not what I had my heart set on. And so I knew I had to make it past 36 weeks and one day in order to give birth birth where I wanted to. So I just want to start the story there. And I also want to back up because I have talked on this podcast about my choice to use a midwife versus an OB. And a couple of weeks before I went into labor, I actually switched 
back to an OB. And I shared this story a little bit on my Instagram. And again, this just goes back to the self-advocacy and intuition, mother's intuition that I felt so strongly during my pregnancy from having to call multiple times, self-advocate for my iron infusions when I was severely anemic, you name it. It was me self-advocating, picking up the phone, calling on repeat, making things happen throughout my entire pregnancy. That was my biggest lesson is self-advocacy. No one else is going to stand up for you. And currently there is a massive baby boom going on and people are strapped very thin. And if it wasn't for my incessant and constant and consistent self-advocacy, I would have not had the experience that I had. So I had a pretty tough time with the midwife department uh, that I was working with just getting a hold of someone. Um, It's a really busy summer with babies here in Santa Cruz, and they are in between hiring a couple of new midwives, a couple were out with COVID, and I felt super unseen. The OB I was working with before she went on her maternity leave, I had a super strong attachment to. She was the one that was with me uh, throughout my miscarriage and ended up going on maternity leave about halfway through my pregnancy. And that's when I made the decision to switch over to midwifery, which I've talked about previously. And I just never felt seen. I felt tossed around and not really like truly seen by one person who knew about my high platelets or my anemia or any of like the little nuances of my pregnancy. So I ended up having this allergic reaction or swelling after an iron infusion and had to go to urgent care and the OB on call offered to see me the next day and when I met her, I knew that I wanted her to be there with me throughout the rest of this process. She was so funny, so loud, like in a positive way, hopefully, like I'm loud, like just in your face, supportive, direct, answered all my questions, spent an hour and a half with me in that appointment. And she was the one that did not humor my two weeks ahead scenario, but she, definitely understood and trusted my mother's intuition that she was going to be coming sooner than later and definitely supported me through that story. And I immediately asked her if I could switch. She said, yes, of course. And I was a little embarrassed because I'd been really like excited and outspoken about wanting to go with the midwives, but turns out I wanted um, somebody that was going to be a little bit more available and a little bit more hands-on with me. And that's what I found with this OB. So I ended up switching and I'm so glad I did. She was so communicative throughout the last couple of weeks, sending me words of affirmation via my health online messages. And it was just everything I needed. So again, so happy I asked. So That's sort of the backstory that leads up to the morning that my water broke, which was 36 weeks and three days. So I had literally hit send on my email and Instagram post how we can support you this fall while I am offline. Now, a friend of mine had told me that your baby sort of waits for you to be ready. So if you have like a jam-packed schedule or a lot of things on your to-do list, your baby won't come. And so I was ready. I knew I had to make it to 36 weeks in one day and I had. So I decided to write this email to my community and share how we can support you titled, just because I'm offline, my business is not, and all of the amazing ways that we could support you this fall. I was sitting in bed working on this email and Instagram post. As soon as I hit send, I stood up and my water broke. Within one minute of hitting send and hitting post on that I'm going offline email, 
my water broke. It was insane. And it was like out of a movie. I stood up and I I guess I didn't expect my water to break. I had been prepared for contractions. And so I just sort of stood there and Clay stood there and we just sort of stared at each other like, what's happening? And he's like, your water's breaking. Don't move. Don't move. Just let it happen. And I was like, I'm not peeing. And he's like, I know your water's breaking. Don't move. And it was just out of a movie. Like it was a huge gush, like a waterfall all over the floor. Clay ran and grabbed towels and we just sort of stood there dumbfounded, like, holy shit, this is happening. And so I called my doula. This was on a Thursday morning at around 930. And she said, okay, call the birthing center, let them know, and they'll tell you what to do next. I'll meet you there kind of thing. So chill out, lie down, take a rest, uh, let me know if contractions start and like, you know, warning things to look for. So I called the birthing center and the head nurse on call basically said, we don't have a room here. Um, You've got to go to Dominican, the uh, hospital. And I said to her, I am not going there. She was like, but you're 36 weeks and three days. And I said, you listen. (laughs) I was told by my doctor, by my midwife, and by my doula that if I made it to 36 weeks and one day I could give birth with you guys and I am not going to the hospital, I am giving birth with you, make room. And she was not um, impressed by my attitude. However, she called me back within a few minutes and said, are you experiencing these symptoms? And I was not. So I was in a really safe space. And she said, if that changes, you have to go to Dominican, but I will have a room for you at 3 p.m. So just rest, eat some lunch. If anything changes, let me know and I'll see you at three. So I got to go to the birthing center after I had a serious little tantrum with the head nurse on call, who I did end up meeting a few days later during my postpartum care. So I just hung out. I just hung out. Um, we played the Hanuman Chalisa. We had a really beautiful morning listening to music, lighting the candles, uh, ringing the bells, just being really quiet. Um, I didn't know this, but your water like continues to break throughout the day. So it was like gushes of warm water, basically amniotic fluid coming out of me. So I was just sitting there on like a stack of towels in no pain whatsoever, no contractions, and just had a really beautiful initiation into the birthing process. Once we headed out, we got to the birthing center. It was really a beautiful experience. I had an amazing team. And from there, my birth really began and my laboring began. Once it was around, I would say, nine o'clock at night, my contractions were getting closer together and more intense, but still not really moving. And now my water had been broken for 12 hours. And this is me, the Gemini that I am. My doctor came in and she said, listen, you can labor for as long as you want. Uh, No rush. But at this point, here are the things that we can do to speed up the process. And as I'm sure you can imagine and guess, I said, let's speed up the process. So at that point, they administered Pitocin. And if you know what Pitocin is, it's something that helps you get your contractions really moving and more intense. And the Pitocin levels increase about every 30 minutes or so based on how you're doing. So that was at nine o'clock. By 11 o'clock, the contractions were unbearable. And I feel like this is where my story really begins because from, you know, 9 a.m. to 11 p.m., I was chilling. I was sitting on the birthing ball. My friends were singing me chants over the phone. I was praying. I was watching the U.S. Open. Um, All was very calm. I was texting and I'm like, this is great. (laughs) Like, labor's awesome. And my doula, she said to me, call me when the contractions become unbearable. And I was like, okay, that shouldn't be for like a while because I still can barely feel them. Two hours later, I'm in the tub, shook at the pain. And I think that's the one thing that actually surprised me the most was how painful contractions are. I have seen the movies. I had heard from my friends. But I have a very high pain tolerance. I've broken bones. I've had my appendix removed. I've just had a lot of 
really physically painful experiences, cysts burst, I mean, you name it. And that was nothing. I thought my miscarriage pain was potentially going to prepare me for this. Nothing. I am humbled to my core at what mothers go through during birth. Truly humbled to my core. I kept saying to the doctors and midwives, I'm impressed. I can't believe this is how much it hurts. Like I was shocked. So I managed to survive the contractions for about five hours. Um, and then I got an epidural. So at that point, I didn't think I was going to make it. I was in so much pain. It was so tough. I was working through each contraction, just in between each one. I can't do this. I can't do this. Like, that all of the warrior mama like just left me. And I kept saying, I feel so fragile. I feel so fragile. I feel like I'm going to break, which is such an interesting perspective for me because I'm usually so strong and so in my masculine and so tough. And especially through crisis and pain. And during the intense moments of my labor, I felt so soft so fragile, so tender. And that's one thing that I just kept repeating. So when it finally came time uh, for them to offer me an epidural, I was all about it. And what a gift from God is all I have to say. Now, I was expecting an epidural to be like paralysis from the waist down. That is not it at all. I still felt every single contraction. It was just bearable to the point where I could breathe through it and really like go into that labor, like really go deep, deep, deep into the labor portal and be more present with it, which I am super grateful for. So that was around 4 a.m., between 4 a.m. and 10 a.m. the next morning, I was fully dilated and was just in a deep state of meditative labor. The room was very quiet. It was very dark. And I was just breathing and moaning and groaning through every single contraction. And I've never felt more primal and more feminine than in that six-hour window Around 10 a.m. is when the doctor came in and I was certain again something had shifted. Since my water broke, um, they did not want to be checking my cervix as frequently to see how dilated I was. So I basically had to beg somebody to get the doctor on call around 10 a.m. And when she did and came in, she let me know that I was fully dilated and This is where I just went so deep, the deepest into myself when they showed me or they gave me an example of how to push, how to breathe through it. Again, my baby came really early, so I didn't get to have the session with my doula on how to actually give labor or any of the breathing techniques, but I had my little shrine that I could see and I had my breath and I had my husband and I had my doula and I felt so hell. So they gave me an example. They showed me what to do when a contraction came. And in my true Gemini fashion, they said, okay, so for each contraction, you're going to push three times. Here's how you do it. They were amazing. And I realized that I could actually push four times. And the doctor said, you know, the way this works is it's like two steps forward, one steps back, one step back, each contraction, the baby's going to move forward and then she's going to go back a little bit. And I was like, okay, then I'm going to push four times. And they were like, okay, yeah, you can do that because I still had room at the end of the contraction for another breath. So I was like in my head, well, if it's two steps forward, one step back, I'm going to do four pushes so I can just get this girl out. And that's what I did. So I closed my eyes. I went to a very deep, very sacred place with just my breath. And there was a lot of people in the room, but all I could hear was the sound of my doctor counting the contractions, counting to 10. And I just stayed with her voice. I kept my eyes closed and I pushed like I've never pushed. I don't know where that strength came from. Afterwards, I had, you know, it felt like I had like torn muscles in my arms. I was like pulling on these handles and then on my legs and, you know, trying a couple different positions. And it 
started happening really quickly. So um, the doctors and the nurses were surprised at how quickly things were moving along. So quickly, in fact, I started crowning pretty soon. And after about 30 minutes or so, she was about to be here. And I have to tell this story because this is the most Clay story. Clay, throughout most of the laboring and the whole experience really was in and out of sleep as as he is um, and really hard to wake up, which the nurses found hilarious. I was not super amused by it, but he was at this point very present right next to my face, like cheering me on. And really like coaching me through every single contraction and my eyes were closed. So I couldn't see what was going on, but I heard him say, and I felt like she was basically going to be out within the next couple of pushes. I'm going to go to the bathroom. And if you know my sweet husband, um, he likes to take his sweet time in the bathroom, whether it's reading hacker news or playing a game or whatever it is he does in there, I was appalled. And there was a room full of people and I screamed, Clay Ritma, get back in here right now. Like you are not going to miss this baby because you're pooping in front of everyone. And I didn't care because I just was like, this would be what happens. Like, this is so our story. He would miss this for because he was in the bathroom taking a poop. And he yelled back to me from the bathroom, I'm just peeing. I'll be right back. So he comes back in. And within a few minutes, my baby came out. And the experience of her being put on my chest, she came out wide-eyed, totally present, totally perfect, looking right at us. It was one of the most magical experiences of my life. And all I kept repeating was, she's the fucking cutest thing I've ever seen. And she is the fucking cutest thing I've ever seen. Her name is Kepler Grace. She is absolute perfection. I've never been more in love, more intoxicated with anything, anyone. And I just give so much thanks to the mother Oh, for her in my life. I am just beyond, beyond, beyond. And she's here. So my sweet baby girl, Kepler, um, I will share briefly how we chose the name. We did have another name picked out for quite some time, and it became clear to us in around the last month or so that that name carried a lot of baggage, and we'd been carrying that name with us for a very long time, since like 2014, and we are not the same people that we were in 2014, and we wanted to shift into a cleaner space, a clearer energy, and change her name. So. We had this name, Kepler, picked out for a couple of months um, as our boy's name. We got really into space <laughs> during my pregnancy, watching a lot of space documentaries on astronomy, the planets, the cosmos, and found ourselves down a rabbit hole of Johannes Kepler, who was an astronomer, astrologer, and mathematician in the 1600s. He was a very individual thinker for his time, one of the first people to say that the earth was not the center of the universe and that we were in fact rotating around the sun, which was not a popular opinion at the time. He had a lot of really sort of controversial views at the time. He believed that astronomy, astrology, and God were all connected, that everything in the universe was geometric and one. And this was like very profound thinking for the time. And he was an incredible person with a very, very cool story. And we were really drawn to it. And loved the name Kepler for a boy. Kepler's books was Clay's favorite bookstore as a kid and his favorite thing is reading. And so it just was a perfect name. And about a month before she was born, we had this like major, major intuitive hit that it was her name. 
and we changed it at the last minute. We had told a lot of friends and family the previous name and we didn't care. It was meant to be. Our Kepi was meant to be Kepler Grace. And that's how she got her name. It's science meets mysticism, which is very much our life here in the Ritma household. We've got a lot of research happening and a lot of witchiness happening. And we just felt like it was the perfect name. So that's her name. And I've had a really beautiful recovery um, minus an emergency DNC that had to happen about a week after my birth. I was feeling really extreme pain and I knew something was wrong. Again, listening to my intuition, I went to the ER on a holiday weekend here in Santa Cruz, Labor Day weekend, which is no fun and not something I wanted to do a week postpartum, but I knew something was wrong. So I went to the ER. I didn't know what, but I told them what was going on. And eight hours later, I was being prepped for an emergency DNC. There was pieces of placenta and blood clotting left in my uterus that could lead to bleeding out, severe hemorrhaging, serious infection, not good. So I'm really glad I went. And they kept saying, you know, how did you know to come? How did you know? And I just knew. So again, it was just another lesson in listening to my intuition. It was not a fun experience going under anesthesia. I was terrified. I've never, I've never been afraid to die before now. Um, and I feel like I just got really heavy there all of a sudden out of the blue, but that's what happened. It hit me out of the blue when I realized that I was going under anesthesia. I, I've gone under before. I've never had a fear like this. I've always felt so trusting, so held, so connected to death and my spiritual practice, but I have never wanted to live more in my entire life. I do not want to miss a minute with my baby girl and eight hours was already too much. My father-in-law was shuffling breast milk back and forth. It was a vibe and like a hundred degrees. And so I was terrified and I've never been scared like that in my life. And it's this new feeling of like grief living with joy and they live so close together when the love is this intense. And so it was a minor surgery, but I was terrified and everything went great. I had an amazing team of powerful, badass women taking care of me. I woke up and was able to go home that night and be with my baby, but it was an ordeal. And I'm sad that it happened, but I'm really grateful that I listened to my intuition. And so lots of things have come up for me in this pregnancy and in this fourth trimester around listening to my intuition and standing up for myself and self-advocacy. And I just cannot stress it enough. Your health, your your intuition, you know, you know when something is wrong. And that is advice I got from a, a friend's mom early, early, early in my pregnancy. She said, you're going to get a lot of advice. There's a lot of information out there. Google is toxic. You will know in your deepest, deepest wisdom when and if something is wrong. And so listen, that is my advice to you to listen. Now, I am one month postpartum and I feel so happy to not be pregnant anymore. Of course, having a newborn has come with a new set of adventure <laughs> and fun and excitement and no sleep, but I love it. I love being a mom. I love breastfeeding. I had no idea how much I would love it. I had no idea how much work it was going to be. Turns out breastfeeding's like pretty much the best thing I can do for my kid. And it's a full-time job. I've been researching the benefits of breastfeeding and I'm so obsessed with breastfeeding right now. I really want to breastfeed Kepler as long as I can. I feel super grateful that I have a great milk supply and we're really finding our rhythm 
day after day. I'm currently one month out, and because she was early and tiny, um, she was six pounds, 10 ounces, though she has surpassed her birth weight. She's seven pounds now, and that's all breast milk, 100% breastfed, and I'm really, really proud of this. Um, I did not understand the significance of breastfeeding until now, and it's a lot of work. And I also recognize that it's an amazing privilege to be able to breastfeed my baby. So many moms have to go right back to work, don't have the support, don't have any of the tools and resources that I have to be able to prioritize breastfeeding. And I do not take it for granted at all. The other big aha moment that I have had that I want to share that feels controversial, which is funny because I think that's crazy now that I know what I know, is this idea of co-sleeping. Again, it was super intuitive, but I would take Kepi out of her little co-sleeper next to me and put her on my chest after the first couple of days. And we're really told in the hospital, you know, not to put them in the bed, not to put them on your chest, not to fall asleep. But it was my intuition to do this. And so I was talking to my lactation consultant and said, I am really feeling called to have her on me right now. Like she was so early. It's the fourth trimester. I want her near me and she is happier near me. She sleeps longer. She eats better. She's just more content. I can tell when she's on top of me or clay or at least touching us. And I told her, I feel like we're starting to form a bad habit. And she kind of looked at me confused and was like, why is, why do you say that? And I'm like, well, you know, sleep training and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, you know, I want to stop you right there and just recommend a couple of books and really support you in following your intuition. So the two books that I was recommended, which I cannot recommend enough, are Safe Infant Sleep and Sweet Sleep. Both are supporting the breastfeeding family and bed sharing or co-sleeping. And these books have changed my life. They have shifted my entire perspective around bed sharing and having her sleep with us. And aside from showering with her, which is my absolute favorite thing to do, she loves the water. And I have this skylight right above my shower. So the sun pours in on her and it's like, actually God, like I can't express how magical it is to have her with me in the shower. But aside from that, sleeping with my daughter is the most beautiful experience I've ever had. And I know my husband would say the same thing. And I posted about the book on social media and moms were just coming out of the woodworks, sharing their co-sleeping journeys, their bed sharing journeys, their breastfeeding journey with me. Co-sleeping will change the world. This is the best decision you can ever make for your child. And just, I had no idea. I had no idea. I was so ignorant and just thought, oh, this is, you know, a dangerous thing. And turns out after reading these books and doing some research, I am sober, I am breastfeeding, and the chances of something happening are incredibly slim, actually twice as unlikely as her getting hit by lightning. So that's not something we worry about. And it's just funny. It's funny these things that become controversial and that we get sort of fixated on without ever having done any research. And so my mind has been blown and my perception has been shattered specifically around breastfeeding and co-sleeping and really tuning in to my intuition and to my baby, to my kid, what she wants and what she needs and what makes her feel safe and fed. And I'm just so proud of us and I'm so proud of our journey. And I'm so proud of my husband. He's like so obsessed with, <laughs> with the whole thing and the whole experience. And he thanks me every day for breastfeeding her. And I'm also pumping. Um, it's a lot because she was early. So it's really a full-time job for me right now. And I'm, I'm loving it. I like cannot fathom that this is sustaining her life. And it's a really beautiful thing, this transition to the mother. And I just can't believe it. And I just have such a new awe and appreciation for the mother and what it really means. Speaking of mothers, um, 
I talk about this mothers of my this mycelium of mothers. And since I got pregnant, they've been coming out of the woodworks. And I call it this mycelium because I feel that we're all connected through these roots, just like mycelium underground for thousands and thousands of years. But unless you are on the path or are looking, you could just step right over it and not recognize this like deep connectivity of the mother throughout time and space and tradition and culture. And it's one of the most beautiful things. And the mothers that have come through and the mothers that have come out to support me, the messages that I've received on Instagram, the support from clients and friends and family and friends of friends, it's just been incredible and i'm obsessed i'm obsessed with the mother and i i see the world differently now because of this experience and seeing myself as a mother has really sort of kicked me into this identity crisis of sorts because i never saw myself like this even though i always wanted to be a mom i always for as long as i can remember wanted to be a mom throughout all of my endeavors and adventures. I knew that motherhood was for me. I just, I knew it and I felt it last year when I got pregnant. I know I shared the story on the podcast. I was like baby fever. I had to have it. And here I am on the other side of the portal wondering who am I? I know I'm a mother. I know I still run a business. I know I'm a wife but I have no idea who I am right now. And I didn't expect this identity crisis. I am not who I was and I know who I am to my daughter and I know who I am to my family, but who I am to myself looks really, really different. And I shared this last night during witchy business, my worth and my self-love is often tied to productivity and how much I can get done and how available I am for my clients and customers. Two things which are not happening right now because I have an incredible team. We prepared for over a year for me to take two months off and I don't feel that I'm valuable in this moment outside of being a mom, which I know is huge, which I know is where I belong. It's the only thing that really lights me up is this little girl right now, is this soul that is just part of me. Like we're one and it's incredible. And yet I'm finding myself still wanting to send emails, still wanting to check off a to-do list. And my sweet husband sat me down the other day and he said, you know, you weren't always so dependent on productivity as sort of your purpose. And when I met you, you were living on your boat. You were working a nine to five, doing social media and websites for people on the side. You were so happy in your solitude and smoked a lot of weed, drank a lot of whiskey, did a lot of yoga, sailed every chance you got. You never posted about business or productivity on Instagram. And you wrote essays in your journals without anyone ever having to read. You were a deeply free spirit. And I know that that essence of you is still here. And that's not to say that I don't love and appreciate the amazing, like type A, productive, creator, entrepreneur that you are, but I want you to explore what it would mean to not focus everything on productivity. And I am sitting with that now and I don't have an answer for you now. And that is where I am in my identity crisis now is what would it mean for me to play? What would it mean for me to redefine some of these things that give me so much purpose, like productivity and being available. Because 
in these quiet moments with my daughter, walking on the coast, writing, journaling. I've been journaling so much, pulling angel cards, meditating almost every single day since she's been born. Breastfeeding turns out it's an incredible time to meditate really deep and really peaceful. And there's so much coming through that have nothing to do with work. And I'm proud of myself for even going there because I love business. I love it so much. It consumes me. I'm always texting my team ideas, launch strategies. I love it. Like the idea of taking maternity leave, I know I shared this before, scared me. It scared me to not have work and not have emails and not have people to connect with and be available for and strategize with. I really love it. I don't see my job as an obligation. I see it as a blessing and a calling and my dharma. And so that all being said, there's still a balance. And I feel that that's what I am finding now during this time, what I want to re-enter as when I come back online officially, who I want to be, who I want to support, why I want to do what I do, and really redefine a little bit of my identity and shift even deeper into the feminine because that is what I'm feeling called to do at this time. A little bit softer, a little bit more raw, a little bit witchier. Um, And I, I know that what we've been building will support all of that. So that's the tea. That's where I'm at. That's where I've been. I spend my days breastfeeding and staring at my baby and going for walks and eating nourishing food. I'm spending amazing time with family. My mom is here. My sister's here. I feel so held. I feel so grateful. That is the word that I feel is just endless gratitude for this space and time that I find myself in right now. It's everything's new. Everything's new. And I know in this human experience, we don't get a lot of these big, big, moments, these new out-of-body sort of moments. You know, getting married was one of those moments for me. Having my baby was one of those moments for me. And I know that this is living and it's what I wanted my life to be. And it's just crazy that it is. And I'm just so proud of what we've created, of what we've done. I'm so proud of this community and I'm so grateful for all the support. And before I I do wrap up, I I do want to share what's coming um, for authentic audience here in the next couple of months because, like I said, I just love this shit. I read a quote a long time ago, and it said, "I work because I love this shit," and it's it's really why I work. It it really is. Whether somebody's paying me forty four dollars or four thousand dollars, I love it. Either way, I've really come to understand the energy of money and abundance and wealth. And I'm proud of the financial freedom that we've found ourselves on the path to. I wouldn't say we're there yet, but we're doing really well. But at the end of the day, I work because I love this shit. I love marketing. I love lighting people up. I love helping people do what they love and find the people that they are here to serve. And that is what we are going to continue to offer. So what's coming is Google ads. Get ready. I'm snapping for myself like an idiot. Um, Our Google ad campaigns are absolutely crushing it right now. We're going to be hosting a free Google ad campaign training. This is for you if you host retreats, if you have offerings that are like specific uh, time, place, and dates, like uh, webinars, events, things like that e-commerce and brick and mortar spaces as well. Or if you offer uh, free calls or consultations and want to use Google ads to generate leads, I cannot recommend this enough. Space will be limited and our Google ad campaigns are absolutely crushing it. We are like 10, 20 xing website traffic leads and revenue for our Google ad campaign clients at this time. And a lot of people are sort of over Facebook right now, which is fine. We still love Facebook ads. Um, and 
I think it's an amazing thing for small business. But if that energy doesn't feel aligned with you, Google Ads is a really great place to spend your dollars. And we have a great strategy. So Google Ad campaigns are coming in October, November. And then our holiday offer, which will be announced any day now, is an ad campaign bundle for service-based and e-commerce-based small business owners that comes with paid marketing and advertising campaigns on Facebook and Instagram for 30 days, plus a separate or bonus campaign for Small Business Saturday, Black Friday that week to really drive cold traffic into your offerings, a gift guide, an email sequence, a bunch of other things to support your small business awareness, traffic, and revenue during the holiday season. So I'm really excited about these offers. My team and I are also be be coming out with a very cool offer in December, which is a surprise, but it's going to support you up-leveling in a major way in 2023. So that's coming. And I still have three spots left on my Body Mind Business retreat in Santa Cruz in January. This is going to be an intimate luxe retreat right on the beach. We're having private chefs, workshops, Reiki, hiking the coast, forest bathing in the redwoods, sound healing. I've brought in the absolute best of the best to just love you guys up, body, mind, and business in January. So you can find all of that information on the website, DM me, um, write to my team. We are here for you. And just because I am offline does not mean that my business is. So we are still here to support you. We are still here to love you up. And in the meantime, I'm going to be loving up my new baby. I am so, so grateful for your support, for you being here. I have incredible incredible guests lined up starting in January. So the podcast will be on hold while I focus on transitioning into my new role as mother. And I'll have a lot to share when I come back online in January. But some of the guests I have lined up are really out there, really exciting and really sort of on on brand with what I'm going through right now as a mother. And also I think some things that might surprise you. It feels really authentic and really exciting to be taking the podcast in this direction. And for those of you who have been with me from the beginning, I see you. I'm talking to you. I love you. I thank you. And until next time, keep growing.